Good Monday and welcome to August. This is Ozarks at Large for the first day of August 2022. I'm Kyle Callums. This is 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Another Razorback athlete competes on the world stage tonight, Heidi Nelson. A sophomore to be at the University of Arkansas runs in the 3,000-meter final at the World Under-20 Championships in Cali, Colombia. Later on our show, how the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences is racing to prepare more people to be nurses in a state in need of more nurses. The accelerated nursing program started this spring, and the students are able to take advantage of a new simulation center in Fayetteville. That's in our second half hour today. To start our show, from the gas pump to the grocery aisle, you've probably noticed the price of goods going up. This summer, the U.S. inflation rate hit a 40-year high. So, Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth asks, what exactly is driving that inflation, and how is it having an impact on consumers living here? 2022 started off with a Molotov cocktail of economic problems. From the Russian invasion of Ukraine to a spike in cases of the COVID-19 Omicron variant, and now record high temperatures and drought, which are only exacerbating the problems. Um, You know, I think the most recent reading of inflation showed a year-over-year increase of a little over 9%, which is, you know, a a rate that we haven't seen in a very long time, certainly not in my lifetime. So that's something for concern. You know, that is something that affects, obviously, a lot of Arkansans. Mervyn Jeberaj, director of the Center for Business and Economic Research at the University of Arkansas, says the economy is running hot. With low unemployment and wage increases for many, Arkansas's unemployment rate was at 3.2 percent in June. But he says that rapid growth, coupled with supply chain shortages and market uncertainty from the war in Ukraine and COVID-19, are driving inflation. This past week, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates by 3% to try to curb that inflation, which is at a 40-year high, a whopping 6.8%, according to numbers from the U.S. Department of Commerce. Jebaraj says while a year ago analysts could pinpoint specific industries where prices were hurting consumers, now the impact is in nearly every sector of the economy. The main culprit, though, he says, is energy. You know, almost every utility sector that people are paying to cool their homes, given the heat wave that we're seeing right now, almost every single industry is affected by uh, this level of inflation. Um, you know, when you think about agriculture and farmers planting their crops, the fertilizer prices had gone up as a result of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Prices they were getting for the crops that they would produce were higher, but have dropped, so they've you know, paid for higher value fertilizers and energy to plant their crops, but the value of the crops that they'll be able to sell in the market has gone down. So almost every sector is going to see some significant impact from this inflation. So uh, the quicker we can resolve at least the energy component of this would help us sort of get through this inflationary uh, period with a lot less damage to the economy. Julie Damer with the Northwest Arkansas Food Bank says many people in our region are feeling the impact of inflation in the grocery aisle. Um, bread, uh, milk, dairy, eggs, you know, all of those have increased in price. Milk and eggs are something that we're um, continually looking for and sourcing and struggling, you know, just like everybody else with the prices. Um, but when we do find those products, you know, we go ahead and purchase them because we know that those are needed items in households. The Consumer Price Index estimates the cost of grocery food items rose more than 1% in June and was up more than 10% from this time last year. Damer says the food bank's partner organizations have seen increased demand for food assistance over the summer as more people are struggling to pay those higher prices. Right now it's around um, 82,000 food insecure in the northwest Arkansas region. Um, In the past couple of months with inflation and gas prices going up, um, we've seen an increase in need at our mobile pantries and our partner agencies grow a little bit. She also says inflation has impacted the organization's operating costs. Well, when we budget, we budget for the year. And of course, that, um, you know, we weren't anticipating the gas prices rising. We weren't anticipating the food prices rising as they did. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hitting our bottom line as well. 
And as consumers start to feel the daily impact of these costs, they're becoming more wary in other areas. Last week, Walmart cut its profit projections for 2022, saying customers were spending more on food and forgoing other products like clothing and home goods. This past weekend, the United Way of Northwest Arkansas held their annual school supply drive. Jackie Hancock, the organization's CEO, says he believes the economic pressure is driving more people to rely on donations to make ends meet. And I've talked to two superintendents who have said they are eager for this, uh, for the, all the back-to-school going on, not only ours, but everybody else who's doing one, because the need, they, they feel like the need is going to be greater this year um, than it has been in, in years past, because of the economy and, you know, inflation and that's why these school drives are very important because, believe it or not, kids do start school without the stuff that they need to start school with. You know, we've all heard the stories of the of teachers in the classroom spending their own money for school supplies and things that they need in the classroom. Well, this alleviates a lot of that. Jebaraj says the inflation could cool down in the short term if governments are able to address energy shortages and increase oil production. There's a lot of ways to try to address at least the energy component of it, but, you know, most of it takes a lot more effort um, than in the near future, you know, pumping more gas is probably the only uh, thing that gets us relief in the short term. However, he says consumers can expect more economic hardships in the future if businesses and governments do not fix gaps in the global supply chain. Uh, what worked in the past 20 years or so with the globalized supply chain may no longer work for us given all the uh, disruptions that could possibly happen again. Um, we don't know whether that's going to be a pandemic or war, but clearly we're more likely to see more of those in the future than we are to see less of them. So addressing supply chain resiliency is going to be important going forward, but that doesn't help us in the near future. That's a long term. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Daniel Carruth. Bobby Hopper, the longest serving Arkansas Highway Commissioner in history, is being remembered as a driving force for Arkansas infrastructure. He died Saturday at the age of 89. A longtime resident of Springdale, he was born in Cotter in Baxter County. President Bill Clinton issued a statement describing Hopper as a remarkable person, a good man, a great friend, a model citizen, and one of the finest and most effective highway commissioners ever. His work to see Interstate 49 a reality is reflected in the tunnel bearing his name along the highway. Some Arkansas school districts are altering their funding plans after federal funds were revoked by a legislative council. New legislative spending plans are recommending money go toward giving teachers bonuses. During the pandemic, a large packet of money was given to help schools. The first phase of elementary and secondary school emergency relief funds were doled out to schools across the state to the tune of $119 million. Another $502 million later handed out during the pandemic. Dan Jordan from the Arkansas School Board's Association on Government Relations says some of the money, which could go to teacher salaries, has already been spent. There are districts uh, that have talked to us that are concerned because they're in the middle of a project that's rather that's larger that would use a large portion of their money uh, and they're in the middle of that project. Uh, they've already done the engineering and the architecture and the, all, the, all the pieces and, and, and they're in the middle of a project that may complete in a, two or three weeks to a month and a half and they're obligated to those funds. Mike Hernandez of the Arkansas Association of Educational Administrators has stayed in touch with districts to understand how best to spend the money going forward. A lot of districts have done some type of recruitment and retention payments, additional work payments, and so there are millions of dollars. I think the, the last thing that we heard was around $340 million have been spent out of this aggregate amount of ESSER money towards those things. Um, so I think that's one thing that's important to note, that this money just didn't go to projects that didn't go to support teachers. Hernandez believes the conversation about teacher bonuses could continue into 2023. The Arkansas special session convenes a week from today. Steve Womack and Bruce Westerman, representing Arkansas's third and fourth districts in the U.S. House, are both expressing dissatisfaction with an assault gun ban passed by the House Friday. Congressman Womack writes that he thinks the bill punishes law-abiding citizens, and Congressman Westerman says he thinks the bill has an 
irresponsibly broad definition of assault weapons. The measure narrowly passed, with five Democrats voting against it and two Republicans, one each from New York and Pennsylvania, supporting. The measure is now moving to the U.S. Senate. And a big congratulations to all the organizers and participants with the Strolia Tolls Saturday afternoon and evening in downtown Springdale. The festival to celebrate Pacific Islanders and Marshallese culture included fashion, art, food, music, and as the sun set over M Avenue, fire dancing. If you missed Stroll the Atolls, don't worry, it's an annual event that will be put together again next year in Springdale. Marshall works the option with the ball going to Lindsay. The big wing back kicks up his heels on a 31-yard dash that's finally stops at the Mustang 15. This is Ozarks at Large with me. We're in the Furman Garner Performance Studio this week. Right? It's it's a little intimidating. It's, it's big. much bigger yes. than your office slash studio. But our mission is the same, and that's to look back at Arkansas history through archives provided by the David and Barbara Pryor uh, Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History, where you work. Who are we? What are oh, we talking about? This is a good one. Okay. I really had fun with this. Uh, Jim Lindsay, and you've got to know the name, especially here in Northwest Arkansas, but I, I'd say anywhere in the South. Um, you know, you, you may know him as, you know, the Razorback player who was on the national uh, championship team with in 64. Jim Johnson and Ken Hatfield and yeah, Bobby Crockett right. and all those guys. Or you may remember him as a running back for the Minnesota Vikings. Right. Or you may remember him as a candidate for governor. That's right. And uh, or you most <laughs> likely remember him as a, a very successful real estate developer. You see the signs all over the place, Lindsay and Associates, right? Right. right. So um, real estate, apartments, homes, The Northwest land. Arkansas Mall, right? Well, yeah. Oh, we're going to get to that. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a great story. Yeah. Um, but that's who we're going to look at this week, his life and career, or I guess you could say his careers, right. plural, because he, it was almost like he had several lives, and they were all... Amazing. Right. So we're going to go through okay. all of those. All right. Um, so uh, first, let's talk about his his sports life, which was started early on, of course, as a teenager. Yes, um, loved football, and um, the Pryor Center did an extensive interview with him in two thousand and nine, and um, let's play a couple of clips from that, along with some highlights. And we talk about his passion for football, uh, plus that championship game against Nebraska in the Cotton Bowl. My intensity level to want to play uh, was accentuated because of my lack of ability. Uh, I played harder and worked harder and tried harder. And uh, I know they tell the story about a lot of times the down at the Cotton Bowl um, against Nebraska, uh, that Freddie throws this ball, Marshall throws this ball, and I don't uh, see it coming. And I look, I glance back right at the last minute, he got pressure. And I glance back right at the last minute, and the ball was right like here, you know. I, I just threw my hands up and caught it. And, and then... We made the first down, and then we went on and scored. Momentum's the thing now. Marshall shoots a pass to Lindsay, and the exciting wingback races down the near sideline to the Nebraska Five. And I've been asked, I was asked about that. And I'd lay in bed at night, and I'd throw the ball up, throw the ball up. And I'd let it hit, the, I wanted it to hit the ceiling. It's dark in there. And barely could get a glimpse of the ball just barely get a glimpse of it. And I'd see it ricochet off the ceiling a little bit. And I'd catch it, or I'd catch it. Sometimes I'd drop it. Somebody asked me about that catch one time, and I said, man, I'd caught 10,000 balls in the dark. 
uh, I, I, I needed to see it to, to put my hands on it, but I didn't need to see it for a very long period of time. Jim Lindsay is the uh, subject of this week's Prior Center Profile. I'm here with Randy Dixon. Well, and one thing uh, about Mr. Lindsay is uh, he's so humble. He, throughout the interview, which was a very long interview with the, with the Prior Center all day, uh, he never really took the credit for all the successes that I think, you know, he should have. But um, I talked to a lot of people uh, who know him, and there were several things that, you know, there was a theme, a thread that, that went through everything that, that we talked about him. And it, it, there was his dedication, his leadership, his uh, business smarts, and also his humanity. But um, let's listen to another clip from that prior center interview, and he's talking about uh, the sports part of his life. If I look back over my whole athletic career and start saying how much of it was success and how much of it was pain and difficulty, way more than way more than 50% is pain and difficulty. But as you get past it and you look back, all the pain and difficulty goes out the window and you remember the wonderful moments and times you had with your teammates and success and friends. You mentioned that you talked to people who knew him, who worked with him. Yes. Who are some of those folks? Well, one of them, uh, and I wanted to categorize, you know, bust everything up into the different parts of his life. And so let's talk about his sports life first. And I talked to the chief public relations officer for the athletic department. We know Kevin Trainer. And by the way, he says hello. Well, good. Uh, <laughs> former, former Ozarks at Large intern. Like, I don't know. 25, 30 years ago. But yeah. anyway, former Ozarks inter- at-large intern Kevin Trainer said yeah. what? Yeah, hey, now big guy in yes. the athletic yes. department. Um, well, I talked to him about uh, Lindsey and his legacy uh, as an athlete. I think when you talk about uh, the legacy of Jim Lindsey as an athlete at the University of Arkansas, certainly his athletic prowess was, was a big part of that, but his leadership and uh, just – he was the he was the right guy at the right time to help uh, bring all of that together uh, for Coach Broles at the University of Arkansas, and then he went to the pros. You know, it, it's fascinating. We we always think of Jim Lindsay as a, as a great Razorback, and and clearly he was, and and uh, his time here back in Arkansas. But I think very much underrated uh, as an NFL player, and. You know, to play for Frank Broyles and then go to play for a legend like Bud Grant at Minnesota. And what a professional career he had from 1966 to 1972, uh, seven years uh, with the Vikings with a with a storied franchise and a storied coach. And, uh, you know, he, he was what every coach would want on the team, uh, a guy that understood not just his assignment but uh, really what they were trying to do as a team. But he was very, you know, very much a physically gifted player, and, and that played out. I mean, to last uh, seven years uh, in, in Minnesota in a highly professional and highly competitive uh, sport like uh, football in the National Football League said a lot about Jim's athletic ability, but even more so about the complete package, uh, the, the the mental game, the the, the way that he uh, led other people and uh, and responded. And I think you saw that and have seen that continue in his life after football. That's Kevin Trainer. Uh, we're talking about the first public part of Jim Lindsay's life. That's when he was a, a high-profile football player. That's right. And um, so this was a big thrill. Um, got a call from his old teammate, old friend, uh, Ken Hatfield, um, you know, coach of the Razorbacks. He was on that 64 team. Uh, as a matter of fact, I used to produce his weekly coaches show with Paul Eels right. back in the 80s because he was head coach from, what, 84 to 89. Something like that, yeah. And um, I didn't realize this, but uh, Coach Hatfield told me that they were rivals back when they were in junior high and high school. Jim Lindsay went to Forest City and uh, – Ken Hatfield went to Helena, uh-huh. so they were always playing against each other. But um, got him on the phone, uh, and I couldn't believe it. he's seventy nine now. And we talked about that that game 
that Cotton Bowl game. Right. And I had to include this because <laughs> it, it was so awesome to hear uh, his recollection of the game. He's basically calling the game, this the, is the end of the game, and um, it, it's classic. Jim Lindy was one uh, tough competitor. He was a fighter. He was a great teammate. Uh, I, I sit back and I think about him. I talked to him, you know, several weeks ago about the fond memories we had in the uh, uh, Cotton Bowl. We're playing Nebraska. We're down seven to three in the fourth quarter, and we hold them. And we've got the ball on our own twenty-yard line. Time's running out, and on a critical third-down play, uh, Jim's running a flat route. Freddie Marshall. Drops the ball off, and Jim, just at the last second, turns around, throws his hands up, and catches it for a key first down to keep the drive alive. Uh, about three plays later, Freddie hits Jimmy in the flat, and for some reason, Nebraska didn't have anybody out there, and he rambles 29 yards, gets down to about the four-yard line. And from there, we uh, Freddie runs an option. Pitches the ball to Bobby Burnett, and Burnett, with a great hurdling ability as well as a great running back, hurdles in the end zone, and uh, we go ahead 10-7. to Then uh, Nebraska tries one last drive, and on the fourth down, Jim Williams from Far City, one of uh, Jim Lindsay's teammates in high school, runs the quarterback down at Saxing, and assures the 10-7 to victory and assures the national championship. I mean, and that was just off the top of his head. He didn't prepare for it. I mean, we were, we were on the phone and said, would you want to do this now? And he said, sure. All right, we've talked about sports. You mentioned earlier a run for governor. This is the public part of Jim Lindsay's life that I think is the least remembered. It was it was brief. And kind of for a reason, yeah. It well, it, it was brief, but it was very, uh, it made a, a, an impact on Arkansas politics. Um, he ran for governor as a conservative Democrat. Mm-hmm. Later, he became a Republican. As a matter of fact, he was approached by the Republicans to run as a Republican in 76. Yeah, but Republicans didn't run in 76. right. Um, and he was going up against David Pryor, right. the incumbent. So, obviously, David Pryor wins the primary and is reelected governor. Yes. You said he had a, a big impact on politics. You talked to Skip Rutherford about his career in politics? Yes, yes. Uh, retired Clinton School dean, and um, he worked for Pryor for years, and he didn't at the time, but he has a story about how Lindsay did affect the the political climate of Arkansas. He was ahead of his time in politics. Um, in the 1970s, when Jim ran, um, the Democratic Party in Arkansas was dominated by uh, bumpers, prior Clinton, succeeding McClellan and Fulbright. Uh, and Jim was was ahead of his time. And while he wasn't elected, um, in 1978, uh, he played a key role uh, because he endorsed uh, David Pryor over then Congressman Jim Guy Tucker in the runoff for the United States Senate. I remember that well. I was involved with it. I was in Fayetteville at the time. Uh, working uh, as director of public relations for what was then McElroy Bank, uh, but was volunteering on the prior for Senate campaign, and um, and Jim was a was 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 a very key uh, uh, endorsement. Uh, so uh, he played a big role in Arkansas politics. He then came back uh, and was named to the University of Arkansas Board of Trustees. Uh, and and served well, and I I knew him there when I was dean of the Clinton School. Uh, He was a good and effective board member, Uh, and uh, he uh, he was just ahead of his time in politics. If if a Jim Lindsay today uh, ran for office, he'd have a good shot at winning. 
Skip Rutherford mentioned Jim Lindsay as a member of the UA Board of Trustees there. Right, right. And he was very effective, as, as Skip said. Um, and he was always a strong supporter of UAMS, the medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found this uh, dedication from 2009 of a new med center building. It is a magnificent school. It is a magnificent hospital. It takes us to a whole other level in healthcare in Arkansas. And I've had a stint in Houston uh, with the cancer that my wife had, and the hospital in Houston recognizes the very outstanding uh, nature of this hospital. And uh, what all these people do and what everybody does uh, is how important it is. Okay, let's move to the next phase. And this is the one that life. I think, especially people who haven't lived in Arkansas or Northwest Arkansas for more than 10, 15, 20 years, this is how they'll associate his last name. Yes. Business and real estate. Exactly. Um, and, you know, the sports career actually made a connection yeah. uh, to his business career. And this is, this is great. You had alluded to this about the, the mall. Well, when he graduated and signed with the Minnesota Vikings, he was 21 years old. Mm-hmm. I it, think it was $75,000. Which is nothing is what to sneeze at then or now. But, but yeah. it's not the millions right. that that they get but right. he took that money and he bought some land in north fayetteville well guess what's there now you had said it earlier the northwest arkansas mall that's right but uh when he gets out um from pro football he sells it for four times what yeah. he paid for it i think that's the figure it was about four times he had said um and they built the mall there, and that's when he started uh, Lindsay and Associates, and that was in 1973. Right. Um, and so, the Prior Center interview also included, of course, um, his his business, and he talks about his philosophy. The one thing that I've always recognized is that if you think that you've got a foolproof plan. There are no poo-poo brands. If you think you got the one that nobody else can even get close to having, watch out. You're fixing to get tripped. And so I try to stay as humble as you can stay in recognizing that there's an economy out here that can take me down or take anybody down. I don't look at it as if that uh, I'm foolproof or that I've got some angle on the rest of the world. I don't look at it that way. I look at it real simple, that thank you, Lord, for what you've given us. Thank you for our plan. Show us how to make sure we're fair to everybody we're dealing with, and show us where we're wrong, where we can improve. Somebody help me, show me. And then get good people that's doing the same thing for you. Have the God of the universe first, and then some friends, and then some consultants, and and then your own judgment. Somewhere in there, you ought to be okay, you know. So I wanted to hear more about his his business life. So I talked to his son, John David, and he's uh, the principal broker for the firm. And I talked to him about uh, his father's Im- impressive business insight. He had a a knack for just successful things. I mean, he, he his work ethic was second to nine. And, you know, my brother and I have talked about this. I think he probably worked three lifetimes in one lifetime. You know, he worked a tremendous amount of hours. and mm-hmm. but, but he loved what he was doing. And he had a, he was a man of faith. And he was fair, and he was good to his employees, and he rewarded his employees for six, for for a good a job well done, and all of those things added up into a real successful business model that he oversaw, that he started, he started it and built it with the sweat of his brow. 
and it got him into the uh, Business Hall of Fame, the Walton College, in 2010. Our next inductee into the Arkansas Business Hall of Fame, James E. Jim Lindsay, used the skills learned on the football field and built Lindsay & Associates and Lindsay Management into a real estate and apartment empire reaching across six states. About 10 years ago, there was a documentary about Jim Lindsay, and this was narrated. We've, that 64 football team has a lot of familiar names, even to this day. Oh, gosh. Including Jerry Jones, who, who narrated this and documentary. And Jimmy Johnson. And Jimmy Johnson, who yeah, won a couple but, Super Bowls. But, yeah, Jerry Jones uh, narrated this, and Clint Fullen, he was a student of Larry Foley's. The, Clint directed the film and as his senior thesis, and he spent two years— with wow. Lindsay and his family. And so I wanted to talk to him and uh, talk to him about Lindsay's uh, life and his personal impressions of him. You immediately discover when you start talking about Jim Lindsay just um, how generous he is to those around him and how uh, close he is to uh, you know, old teammates, business partners, um, his children. Um, he really cherishes those relationships. As we're winding down, I uh, wanted to play one more clip from his 2009 interview with uh, the Prior Center, and he talks about what he calls the uh, attitude of gratitude in life. One of Coach Broyles' axioms, that a man must have an attitude of gratitude in his life, that you have to be grateful with a grateful heart before it even happens for you, happens to you, or you won't even recognize it. And the attitude of, attitude of gratitude is, is a very critical part of everybody's uh, uh, understanding of the good things of life. Because if you don't have an attitude of gratitude, you won't ever recognize it. You won't ever see it. You won't ever understand it. You'll feel, be thinking, why ain't they doing more for me? Why ain't this guy saying yes to everything I'm asking him instead of saying thank you for the last yes you gave me, you know? So an attitude of gratitude is a crisis-critical part of, a, I think, a peaceful, successful life. We have surveyed the life of Jim Lindsay on this week's Prior Center Profiles. That was from a 2009 long-form interview conducted by the Prior Center. And These you can see the whole thing on our website. Go Google Prior Center mm -hmm. and go to our website, drop down and look at Arkansas Memories, and they're all in alphabetical order. You can go to Jim Lindsay. We also have Jerry Jones. And I'm hoping to get Bobby Crockett here soon. These are happening all the time, these interviews. These yes. Long -form interviews. Yeah. Yes. So you can see all of them in their entirety. You can get a transcript. Uh, you can download the full audio if you want to listen to it in your car. Is someone going to interview you? They should because of all the things that— I've never thought about it. Well, they should interview you. You've seen Arkansas history— as a producer and behind a camera. I guess I'm the Forrest Gump of TV news. No, you're better than that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, so can we close out? Yes. All right, so we heard at the beginning this highlight mm -hmm. reel, and I love these things. Yeah. They were produced by Humble Oil, and um, this is the very end of how they wrapped up the Arkansas – Razorbacks 1964 season. Excellent. Randy Dixon, thank you very much. Thank you. Cotton Bowl victors for the first time. The Razorbacks have finished the year undefeated in 11 games. A Texas victory over Alabama in the Orange Bowl that evening leaves the Razorbacks alone at the top of the college football world. And within a week, this great Arkansas team is officially named National Collegiate Football Champions. That was 1964, a year to remember. The Bella Vista Police Department will host a public gathering tomorrow from 5 until 8 as part of the National Night Out. National Night Out events are designed to foster better relationships between community and law enforcement. The Bella Vista version, taking place at Kingsdale Pavilion outside of Reardon Hall, will include free food, live music, a chance to sound a police car siren, and something billed as an interesting evidence table. All the details can be found at the Bella Vista Police Department Facebook page. The Fayetteville observation of National Night Out taking place at Wilson Park tomorrow from 5 to 7. Free food, a video game truck, as well as police and fire vehicles.
And it's hard to think of an annual event in our part of the world that has been going on as long as the Tommytown Grape Festival. The 123rd edition starts tomorrow and will go through Saturday. There will be carnival rides, live music, and, of course, the spaghetti dinner served August 4th through the 6th. Parking, admission, and nightly entertainment all free. The annual Grape Stomp takes place the first couple of nights from 7 to 9. And the crowning of the 123rd Queen Concordia Friday night. Free entertainment this year includes performances by Confederate Railroad, Jenna and the Soul Shakers, Cassie Joy, and others. A full schedule available at TommyTownGrapeFestival.com. Scott Family Amazium in Bentonville offers playful exploration of the arts and sciences with new experiences and activities popping up daily for kids and families to enjoy all summer long. The Amazium is open every day except Tuesdays. Amazium.org to discover more. The Arkansas Times and the Arkansas Cannabis Industry Association present the Medical Marijuana Health Expo Saturday, August 27th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Northwest Arkansas Convention Center in Rogers. Medical professionals, pharmacists, and local bud tenders will lead seminars on treating a variety of symptoms with medical marijuana. Details and tickets available at centralarkansatickets.com. This is Ozarks at Large. Arkansas Children's Research Institute will use $11.5 million to further study how diseases like cancer form in children's developing bodies. The money is an award from the National Institutes of Health and is given based on the successes of the Center for Translational Pediatric Research established five years ago. The center applies a cutting-edge systems biology approach to better understand how cancer develops in children. The NIH established the Institutional Development Awards to create world-class environments for new and established researchers, especially in states with historically low levels of NIH funding. Area blood banks and blood collection agencies are celebrating the need that thousands of people who have been able, unable to donate blood for 20 years are now cleared once again to donate. The FDA announced last month that people who had spent time in parts of Europe in the 80s, 90s, or even more recently can now get blood. The restrictions were put in place to prohibit people who theoretically may have been exposed to mad cow disease. Based on updated evidence, the FDA's new guidance removes the deferral recommendations associated with the risk of mad cow for time spent in the United Kingdom from 1980 to 1996, time spent in France and Ireland from 1980 to 2001, and receipt of a blood transfusion in the U.K., France, or Ireland from 1980 till the present. Arkansas is experiencing a well-documented shortage of nurses, doctors, and medical professionals to take a step toward easing that shortage. The University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences this spring started an accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program on the Northwest Arkansas campus. The first class of 24 students began the 15-month program in May. Those students are the first to be able to use a new simulation center on the Fayetteville campus. Last week, we talked about both the accelerator program and the new simulation center with Jay Gandy, Associate Provost of the UAMS Northwest Arkansas campus, and Teresa Whited, Associate Dean of Academic Programs at the College of Nursing at UAMS. Teresa says the new program welcomes students who have at least a bachelor's degree in any field with a prerequisite grounding in health sciences. It's a concept-based program that allows students to take very intensive courses over a short period of time and then again transition them into the nursing profession. What has to happen for this accelerated program to get off the ground? So it took a lot of work um, through a lot of different entities um, at UAMS and beyond to get this program up and going. Um, We know that it's important that we address the nursing shortage in Arkansas and beyond, and this is one way for UAMS to do so. Um, One of the things that um, has been very exciting about this program is that we've developed a simulation center that will be used not just for our accelerated BSN program, but all the programs at UAMS Northwest Campus. And it's a 3,400 square foot simulation center that allows kind of -of state-of-the-art training for health professions. And um, the accelerated BSN program is the first um, classes to get to use it. Um, They learn um, on high fidelity and low fidelity mannequins to teach them skills and a variety of medical simulations. They're able to um, access a real life uh, Pixis machine that allows them to mimic um, their um, experiences within the hospital prior to going into clinical settings. What is the difference between a high fidelity and a low fidelity mannequin? 
So a high fidelity mannequin allows our um, patients to, for the mannequin to actually simulate real world, um, like medical emergencies or um, medical scenarios. And so the, the mannequin itself does things like it breathes, it has a heartbeat, it blinks its eyes, it's able to um, have a variety of procedures done on it. And um, even can some of our high fidelity mannequins can um, simulate like the birthing process mm. and some of those things. Does the sim center, does the simulation center look like a hospital room? Yes. Yeah, so our simulation, our part of the simulation center has 12 um, nursing beds. Um, it look, it's set up just like a hospital ward. It has things like suction machines, oxygen um, tanks, et cetera, that allow us to simulate exactly what a hospital room would look like for these students. You mentioned that it can, these students can have a variety of backgrounds. Do you know what these first two dozen, do they have anything in common? So we do have some that are in business. We've had some that have been um, in other um, health science type um, situations as far as like biochemistry or some of those other things. So it, it's a pretty broad background. All right. And, and as you mentioned, these students will be the first to use the simulation center, but it's going to be used by other students as well. Absolutely. It's going to be used by all the programs at UAMS. Um, we have several um, programs at our Northwest campus, and I'll let um, Dr. Gandy share kind of who, what all programs he plans on that using the Sim Center. Yes, Dr. Jay Gandy, let's bring you in here. What, what does the, the Simulation Center mean? Well, Kyle, certainly the new nursing program is going to heavily utilize our new Simulation Center. Uh, but uh, and, and nursing's just an example, though. It's going to be heavily used by the nurses, but it's also going to be available to many of our other programs on campus as well. And this nursing program really does epitomize the, the expansion in our educational programs that we're experiencing here on our UAMS Northwest campus here in Fayetteville. Uh, we're also uh, expanding a number of our other programs. For example, we've had medical students on this campus for several years, third and fourth year students that have elected to come from Little Rock up here to to Fayetteville and do their clinical training with our clinical partners that exist here in Northwest Arkansas. Now we've admitted first and second year students as well. So now we have first through fourth year medical students on our campus uh, and simulations available to them. We, our physical therapy program is expanding the number of students uh, that they're admitting. We have a relatively new occupational therapy program in partnership with U of A. Um, so with this growth in our educational programs, we're significantly expanding and enhancing the academic infrastructure so that we can accommodate all these expanding programs and, and uh, additional students. So the new simulation center is an example of this. So as I said, it's going to be heavily used by the nursing students, but also available to the other programs as well. You know, it's well documented that Arkansas, especially rural Arkansas, but all parts of Arkansas, there is a need for more doctors, for more nurses. And you can't just snap your fingers and take care of that, um, that challenge. But it does sound like with the expanded programs, we're getting closer. There is definitely a need in uh, not only our medical fields, nursing is a, has critical needs. And so we're trying to address that. And, but also expanding in a lot of our other health professions as well. In uh, Northwest Arkansas, with all the growth we're experiencing in our populations, is, has got to uh, step up and try to help meet that need here. And, and that's what we're trying to do here. And um, you mentioned the rural health conversation. And um, one of the things that I think is unique about um, UAMS and the College of Nursing and, and other health professions is we do, as part of our simulation center, have um, digital health units and interactive video connections that we can train and teach our students to do digital health in rural Arkansas and other areas within the state. And that's part of our curriculum is to allow them to learn those um, those types of skills um, in school so that they're prepared to go out and then provide those skills out in the community. Yeah, for, forgive my ignorance. So when you say learning these digital skills, that's like how to use the machines and then how to interact with the patients through uh, yes. digital diagnoses or whatever. 
Yes, absolutely. And so oftentimes when we're doing a digital health um, unit situation and um, there's somebody in, say, rural Arkansas that needs some sort of health care and they need to be seen by a specialist, say, at UAMS or something like that. With our digital health units, we can simulate that in our simulation center to allow a nurse to be on one side with the patient and, and then a provider to be on the other side and helping guide those visits and allow them to be able to use those digital health units to provide digital health care. Teresa Wadded is Associate Dean of Academic Programs at the College of Nursing at UAMS and Jay Gandy, Associate Provost of the UAMS Northwest Arkansas campus. They joined us from Little Rock and Fayetteville respectively last week by Zoom. The 2022 Roots Festival presents Restaurant Takeovers Friday, August 26th and Saturday the 27th as nationally recognized chefs take over local restaurants. Friday at Arcega's at the Mill, Saturday at Atlas Restaurant, and both days at 641 Deli. For the full culinary lineup of this year's festival and for tickets, FayettevilleRoots.org. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. This is Ozarks at Large with me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, two of my favorite people on the entire planet. Rachel Sanchez-Smith, reporter, producer, announcer for Ozarks at Large. Sherry Otaviato, our membership director. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. And as much as I appreciate working with the two of you, we all at KUF appreciate... Members. Our supporting members who keep us going. They fuel all of the journalism that you hear here, all of the programs you hear on KUAF, and we can't do it without them. And we're doing something about this. We're having an appreciation week. That's exactly right. We're having a membership appreciation week from August 1st today through Friday, August the 5th. And we're just taking some time out from our regular schedule just to say thank you and tell you how much we appreciate your support and how there wouldn't be KUAF if we didn't have your support. And one of the things we're doing is we are um, drawing at random out of everyone who has supported KUAF in the past year. And um, we're going to send them a little token of our appreciation. It was so... Take it away, Rachel. Well, I just wanted to point out that usually you and I just do this alone, but we thought, Mm -hmm. let's bring in some of the newer voices at KUAF all week long. Exactly, exactly. Wanted to bring in the new voices and and, uh, let you hear from them. And One of those new voices, though it's hard to believe Rachel's a new voice because you've just been a seamless addition to to the station. Uh, Rachel Sanchez-Smith, how long have you been here? Uh, Since January, so I guess... Six six months or so, but that's hard to believe because we just came in and started started going. You hit the ground <laughs> running. Well, and it's easy to it's easy to do things like that with a staff like this, and in the same way that we that all of you take the time to to listen and and share with us your thoughts. We just want to give back and say thanks. As we said, Member Appreciation Week, um, KUF members should be on the lookout for special thank yous in the mail. And each day on Ozarks at Large, you'll hear an extra shout out to a member selected at random to receive a small token of our appreciation from KUAF. Who are our first listeners, members, members that we are saying thank you to during this Appreciation Week. The first members we have are Jack and Nicole Turpin. Thank you so much for for donating, for being a member, and for taking the time to listen to us and and hear what we have to say. And they're from Fort Smith. They are from Fort Smith. Thank you. We're really excited, and we uh, have a gift in the mail to you, so be watching for that. All right, we're going to do this again tomorrow, eh, Sharon? We are. I'm excited. Rachel? Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting our efforts to for us to be able to deliver vital news and information and diverse perspectives to our entire listening community. We appreciate you. Rachel, Sherry, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Matthew Moore, the producer for Undisciplined. We're currently working on season three, so now's a great time to catch up on our back catalog. And don't just take my word for it. Just ask an upcoming guest on the show. Originally, I thought, okay, this is going to be so Arkansas-centric that I'm going to listen to a few of these to get the flavor. But I never got tired of it. Listen to Undisciplined on KUAF.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and St. Paul. Contributors today included Daniel Carruth and Randy Dixon. Thanks to Sherry Ottaviano and Rachel Sanchez-Smith for being with us today, too. Matthew Moore produced the program inside Studio 120. Congratulations to the Fort Smith Sportsman American Legion baseball team. They travel to Alabama this week to play for a chance to be in the American Legion World Series. The Fort Smith team won the state championship last week. They opened play in an eight-team double elimination regional tournament Wednesday. And a happy 90th birthday today to musical legend Ramblin' Jack Elliott, who is a connecting thread for American music from Woody Guthrie to Bob Dylan to right now. He's made frequent appearances in northwest Arkansas. And we'll give our last word today to Iona Gray, Arkansas resident and University of Arkansas graduate whose latest book, Beast of Ruin, is now available. It's the second in her New York Times bestselling series that was launched with Beasts of Prey. Last October, she talked with us about inspirations for her novels about teens trying to save their city of Lacosa from ancient monsters. During that conversation last fall, she told us the inspirations included travel, mythology that she read as a child, and a course she took while a student at the University of Arkansas. My trip to Ghana was part of one of my degrees. I have a degree in African and African American studies. That happened in summer 2014, so my the summer before my senior year. But a few months before that even happened, I took a course um, with one of my professors, and it was called Political Violence. And it, he teaches this course um, every other year because it's so taxing for him to teach this class. Um, and we met in Old Main Tower, in one of the towers. We would meet once a week, 10 of us. So it was a small, intimate class. And we were discussing political violence, terrorism, we're all political science, so this, so this makes sense. Um, but they were really heavy discussions because you walk in thinking terrorism is evil, political violence is evil. There's no way to justify that. But my professor was very, he is very clever and he was really good about kind of turning us on our heads and making us understand that ideas of good and evil are almost never as, as simple or straightforward as we like to think. And a lot is influenced by who's telling the story. And that that idea of moral ambiguity and moral relativism was something that had played a huge role in Beasts of Prey. Iona Gray talking with us last October. Her new book, Beasts of Ruin, out now. I mentioned earlier that Matthew Moore produced today's show. Matthew is with me inside Studio 120. Hello. Hi, Kyle. Let me ask you if you know this name, George Jetson. Yes. Did you watch the Jetsons? I did, actually, yeah. I think it transcends. Mm -hmm. It started in the early 60s, but... Cartoon Network. That was helpful. Very good. Um, And I bring that up because it is believed... Allegedly. ...that George Jetson, and I understand this is a fictional character we're talking about, would be in the universe of the Jetsons, born either today or in yesterday or in the next few days. Right, that's right. It's based on one of the cartoons where George Jetson went to get a checkup and something was said about when he was born, how many years ago or whatever. Uh, If you ever have insomnia and you want to see just how into this some people are, just Google Jetsons and Flintstones Mm -hmm. because there is this deep theory that the Flintstones are on the ground of the Jetsons. This has now been debunked, apparently. But people really get into serious internet, not just discussions, but arguments whether this could be the case. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I I, I like that idea, um, but I, I see why why there's no need for it. <laughs> well, sure, but life is filled with things that we have no need for. But when you think about the Jetsons, and it, like I said, it premiered in the early 60s, mm-hmm. microwaves, uh you know, video conferencing, mm-hmm. large screen TVs. That was all there. Yeah, r- robot vacuums. Yes. Though Rosie can talk. I don't think the... What I don't know. My Roomba talks to me. It says, error, about every 10 seconds. Well, there you go. I've never had one of those, and don't think I will. All right. Thank you, Matthew, for Thank your uh, insight on the Jetsons and the world of Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Thank you, Kyle. I, I appreciate it. This is 91.3 KUAF. Thanks so much for listening. We're back with you tomorrow at noon and 7.